will not be able to stay home, brother. You will not be able to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on stag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruption. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading the charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew to eat hog moths confiscated from the Harlem sanctuary. The revolution will not be... Hello and welcome to Provocative Thoughts, intimately known as PT, striving to awaken those who are asleep. Stimulate those who are awakened. Feed those who are starving. And nurture those who seek to know. I am your host, Carlton Steed, a self-proclaimed student of life in the search, discovery, and revelation of life on life's terms. First, I'd like to thank Queen Mother for Real Media for allowing me to host this show. i also like to thank the creator for allowing me to be. You can contact the show by dialing 347-989-0180. Please press 1 to speak. Again, you can contact the show by dialing 347-989-0180. Please press 1 to speak. You can also reach us on the Internet at www.blogtalkradio.com. Queen Mother for real, the letter, the number four, real. And listen to the show live. You can contact us on Facebook at Provocative Thought PT Community Organization. Tonight's topic, the last fling. Before getting married, should we engage with a stripper? Marriage is the union of a man and a woman. In the show titled Courting versus Dating, it was revealed that courting requires sexual restraint and integrity. Sexual behavior is reserved for those who are truly committed to a lifelong monogamous relationship, which is sexist during the pre-marital period. I would suppose that sexual behavior, stimulation, arousal, orgasm of any degree would at least be exclusive to individuals, exclude, would not include individuals outside of the relationship. I've been told that occasionally individuals choose to be entertained, stimulated, and aroused by a stripper, exotic, dancer, pole dancer, whatever, in the foreclosure uh, or the uh, closing ceremony to their uh, end of days of being single. It is not viewed as a violation of the premarital relationship, and in some cases, not a violation of the post-marital relationship. One theory is that the individual gets it out of their his or her system before actually getting married. Let's take a closer look at this theory. How does it impact on the individual, the relationship, the family, and the community? Wikipedia says an erotic dance is a dance that provides erotic entertainment. Objective is to stimulate is the stimulation of erotic or sexual thoughts or actions in viewers. So that's a 
person is dancing to arouse you, your nature, your sexual nature, if you're thinking about having sex or acting out sexual behavior. Erotic dances include the following dance forms of style. Can-can, case dance, go-go dance, hoochie-coochie, guaya. I never heard of that one. Exercise, strip tease, erotic dances, pole dance, bubble dance, fan dance, uh, groan and globe dance, lap dance, couch dance, contact dance, limo lap dance. I guess you got to be have a little bit of money for that one. Dance with the seven bells back from the biblical time. Table dance, grinded dance, and uh, twerking. Please history. Uh, history about exotic dancing. In Egypt, the temple of Het-Heret and Isis and Nut, the priestess would dance to try to achieve an orgasm and evoke the goddess. Participants would drink intoxicating beverages while sitting in a comfortable place. The dancers performed for the sexual arousal and fertility of the married couple. So here's a person that's dancing and to get the male and the female excited to engage each other. That's how old is exotic or erotic dancing is. Sexual response and organism, orgasm. Masters and dancers, there's a show on television about masters. They did all this sex um, study about sexual uh, behavior. Matthew and Johnson said that, uh, and their model is that one of which has been well supported over time, but isn't always right for everyone. Explains how sexual experience for people of any gender will involve some or all of five different, often called sexual desire, arousal, the plateau, phase, orgasm, and resolution. None of these stages are superior to others, and all should be pleasurable. <coughs> desire in a sexual content is the strong physical, chemical, intellectual, and or emotional wish or want to participate in any sexual activity, to experience a desire or urge with some kind of sex. Arousal is a state of sexual excitement that sends messages to your brain, which creates physical changes and sensations in your whole body, as well as your genitals, readying us for sex of any kind. But when we are aroused, we usually have some fairly similar body responses. How can you tell when someone's been aroused? You got flushing on the face, lips and chest, more rapid breathing, evaluated um, the elevated, elevated pulse, heart, nipples, erection of the penis, loosening of the wall, loosening as well as an erection often expressed as puffiness or the, the lipia, the clitoris inside the vagina, and the whole wall becomes more sensitive, vaginal lubrication, swelling, tightening, elevation of the testicles. Uh, so far, I'm not going to go through the whole list. If we continue to be sexually excited and continue sexual stimulus of some kind that feels good, our arousal, our arousal may then progress to the plateau stage where sexual stimulation continues and we are kind of hanging out, being aroused and excited in our body and mind. 
<clears throat> we can make an educated guess that the purpose of having a bachelor or a bachelorette party or any party with exotic dancers, strippers, pole dancers, etc., would be to at least sexually stimulate or arouse the individuals in attendance. The added athleticism and acrobatics are methods of delivery designed to accent or enhance the activity and attract the attention of the audience in the hypersexual environment. That's a note from uh, P.T. This is a stripping. The first account of a woman getting paid for dancing erotically can be traced back to the Bible, where some interpreters tell us that the daughter of Jewish princess Herodias seductively performed the dance of the seven bells to please King Herod during his birthday celebration. He was so impressed that uh, he granted the daughter anything she desired. And you, I, I don't know if anybody knows that story, but she desired the head of John the Baptist. So I guess uh, King Herod gave her her desire because John the Baptist was beheaded after this lady danced dancer seven bells for King Herod. Even if, I don't know if that was a thing about I'm kingly and I'm going to keep my word, or I don't know if he was that aroused that, okay, if this girl is, She's doing so good that, you know, we're going to give you the head of John the Baptist. Anyway, we have, uh, what's in the name? Commonly referred as strippers or go-go girls. Women who do it for a living prefer to be called exotic dancers. Establishments where they work at are are commonly called strip clubs, but their proprietors prefer to call their businesses gentlemen clubs. Bottom line is that women in this industry get paid too sexually to the late men by dancing suggestively in as little clothes as possible without getting arrested and in locations where laws allow. They dance totally nude. Regardless of the, the uh, what they do, the field of stripping is dominated by women. Male strippers think male strippers and shipping sales make up less than a third of the professional community. So this this strip industry is basically a female-dominated industry. The earliest evidence of dancing can be traced back to the Paleolithic cave painting. This is like like you might call the Stone Age. Paleo means stone paintings in the south of France. More than 20,000 years ago, they found... Um, Statues of exotic dancers near the Black Sea regions of Bulgaria and Romania that date back to the, the New Stone Age or the Neolithic area. So, um, and our estimate to be over 9,000 years old. Dancing designed to sexually stimulate and culture have begun as an ancient ritual to gain the favor of the goddess of fertility and motherhood in hopes of successful reproduction that was going on in Egypt to increase the fertility of the crop. So dancers would pose, dancers would pose erotically as the ferns were slowly removed to reveal the dancers' naked, gyrating body. So in the height of the Greek and Roman Empire, exotic dancers were also performed, exotic dancers also performed by priestesses in sacred temples. <clears throat> Much of the artwork from these times shows female dancers removing different articles of their clothing to the point of total nudity. 
Women were chosen for their beauty and vitality, and such erotic moments were performed in honor of the moon, the hunt, and the god of wine, amongst other ritualistic purposes. Getting paid for your effort. Moving to the 14th century, erotic dancing in the Middle East in the form of belly dancing. I know anybody's heard of belly dancing. Most of the time we see it just a, a lady just shaking her belly with a diamond in it. Now, the thread of clothing was removed, but with its furious movement of the hips and pelvis, belly dancing meant to induce pleasure of sex of a sexual nature. So belly dancing is it's probably kind of like to what we see nowadays. In the 18th century, ladies uh, in Europe, compliments of the ladies' court who were paid to erotically entertain the menfolk as they died during celebrations and banquets. I ain't getting close to uh, the thing that looks like close to your strip club or your gentleman club. Fast forward to more modern times, we have the erotic dance uh, blossoming in Britain in the late 1800s with the rise of the British burlesque houses. That's the girls doing a little uh, kicking their legs up in the air with a can-can or something like that. Uh, one of the top of the most famous burlesque dancers of London stage, um, Lydia Thompson became one of the most famous for less dancing. In the 1800s, a new form of erotic, erotic dancing evolved into a dance known as the striptease. It was gradual, soft, sensual way up to undress in order to arouse. So they, they, they put a little more sexiness, I guess, into it. I don't know. They revealed more and more of their flesh down to the um, pasties and G-string covering up their essential. Drooling men howled in appreciation as each piece of clothing hit the floor, leading them to create this shout out the strip seeds catchphrase phrase. Leading them to shout out the strip seeds catchphrase. If everybody knows is uh take it off, take it off. Uh, throughout the nineteen eighties and nineteen nineties, uh the strip seeds influenced another forms of other forms of erotic dancing. A sexually provocative belly dance known as the Hoochie Coochie, was introduced in Philadelphia and became widely popular. In the 1920s, saw a new twist to the strip seeds with the addition of pole dancing. Pole dance originated in the height of our country's depression. In the 1950s, pole dancing graduated from tents to bars that, created, that catered to this form of entertainment. Yeah, originally, a uh, pole dance was something they did. At the, uh, it happened at a circus. They had uh, women at a circus doing this pole dance thing and took great athleticism to, to do that, which you see in, in a, if you pick a you know, modern day strip bar, ladies on a the pole, they're very talented. The elaborate, intriguing costume strippers wore during their performance became Part of the act, stripping was slowly seeping into American sex industry and became a stable. So, though we call it entertaining, it's the it's sexual act. Strip clubs were frequently raided and shut down for clashing with decency law. Female dancers could interact with their customers in order to regulate the strip club industry based on certain limits that could, uh, the law put on them. You know, you go to the club, you can't touch them, they can touch you. They, so that's the way that goes. 
no sex supposed to. In 1960s and 1970s, saw a steep rise in the number of strip clubs as society was going through a sexual revolution and becoming more accepting of displayed as overt sexuality. And the strip club survived, survived and despite public protests and strict city regulations, strip clubs, you know, the 60s, that's when they had that free love thing, the hippies and all that was going on. So that's when, um, in, in least in American society, culture, uh, they started being a little more uh, loose with the um, sexual behavior. During the 70s and the 80s, <coughs> excuse me, almost all strip clubs incorporated poles on stage to accommodate pole dancers. Almost all strip clubs have pole dancers. The famous lap dance, contact dance, that's the girl grinding on you. Started out in Montreal in early 1990s. Lap dancing eventually migrated to the United States and was made legal in this country in 1999. I gotta think that was here way before then, so that must be the legality of okay. So nowadays, most of the clubs, the women wear empty bikinis or g-strings that leave little to the imagination. There's rarely a striptease show. Just pole work. Ladies move about on stage with God while God's gawk at their nearly naked bodies. In some places, they are naked. Some strippers will bump and grind against one another on stage. Some actually have some form of sex on stage. <clears throat> From the ancient ritual to modern-day entertainment, for men who typically watch with a stiff shaking hand, Stripping has become has come a long way, baby. Seems like a variation of the same thing to me. <clears throat> Striptease has been known to date back to the myth of the ancient Sumerian times, where the goddess of love, Ayana, was said to have danced and removed one item of clothing or jewelry at each of the seven gates that she passed on her way to find her lover, Damu. They have been Linkages of this myth from the Bible's dance of the seven veils. That's the theology. We're not going to get into that because that's the relationship between Sumerian um, theology and the theology of the Bible, the Hebrew, and uh, Christian. Um, other forms of exotic dance over the years that, that have derived from Persian times, the Molin rules, the ancient Middle Eastern art of belly dancing and also from the Latin inspired dances such as the rumba and the tango. Pole dancing itself has been said to originate from the traveling fairs during the American Depression in the 20s, where a group of dancers would entertain crowds and tents using a lot of hip movement and suggestive dancing. They became known as the hoochie coochie dancers and would dance with the pole holding the tent in place. So, you know, that, like a circus tent. They dance on that pole right there. The fusion of the finely tuned circus performance skills of the Chinese and the energetic acrobatic skills of the Indians and the alluring sensuous dance skills of the Western world are what make up pole dancing as we know it today. Pole dancing has been a part of various cultures throughout the history, and there isn't a distinguishable point in history to define its origin. Also, Pole dancing was in China and in India where it didn't involve any type of sexual type of interaction or 
instruction. It's based on acrobatic skills and strength and balance. The maple pole. Pole dancing was influenced by paganism and Roman rituals in, West, in, the West, in the Western world. The most famous is the maple pole, and it is dated back to the 12th century. The pole was decorated with flowers, and girls used to dance around it. Actually, it was pagan. Fertility ritual. It was a pagan fertility ritual. Thus, the phallic shape of the pole. Pole represents phallic means, uh, it's a, you don't know, it's penal. It's related to the, a man's erected penis. So that, that's where the maypole, I, I don't know if uh, people are familiar with the maypole dance. I know as a kid, we had that during, in, in June, I think, and, and when I was a little kid in school. The Hoochie Coochie during the Great Depression, you know, that blew up in, um, during the 1920s. It started uh, catching up in circuses and the form of sensual choreographs. The female dancers used to dance on the poles and support the stage again. Those specific dancers became so popular around the 50s, they became the core of burlesque and cabaret, of the, and the burlesque, burlesque and cabaret scene. From then on, pole dancing would be associated with sensual dancing and striptease. In modern times, the oldest pole dance case recorded is Bell Jangles. In 1980, since the 1980s, striptease and lap dance techniques were incorporated into pole dancing choreography, making them wildly popular in Canada and U.S. 1994, Fauna Motley Dietrich was hired as a dancer in exotic dance. In Canada, and she immediately focused on how to combine sensual and sports moves, making pole dancing what it is today. So, thumbs up to the uh, women who are able to uh, do some of the fantastic things they do on the pole physically. Question is, enough of, them, of all of that stuff. Bottom line, stripping, pole dancing, erotic dancing, purpose is to stimulate and arouse sexual energy. Is it appropriate? For your mate, life partner to be stimulated, aroused by someone else. Sexual stimulation and arousal are precursors to sexual copulation or whatever else is on the menu. Masters and Johnson have five stages. I think it's five, five stages of sexual arousal from the time you, you are aroused to the uh, time you are copulation and after copulation. After you have sex, you get satisfied. Question is, for my listening audience, is it appropriate for your mate, your life partner, to be stimulated, aroused by someone else? The question is simply, if you are in a committed, monogamous relationship, is it emotionally, ethically, morally, or socially correct or acceptable for your spouse to be visually and or physically stimulated aroused and gratified by another individual. For the record, you should be in a committed and monogamous relationship long before you decide to marry someone. Self-commitment contributes to the commitment to others. In short, the internalization and adherence to values that promote monogamy and commitment will strengthen the integrity of the relationship. Entertainment. What's in the name? The behavior speaks volumes for itself. The desire to be in a sexual stimulating environment is indicative 
of an individual's desire to be sexually stimulated outside of the so-called committed monogamous relationship or marriage. Not to mention that stimulation and arousal takes place often in a public area among other individuals, strangers, acquaintances, foes, etc., with strangers, dancers, who are overtly initiating sexual energy and behavior. This is kind of like having group sexual stimulation and arousal. Copulation is not off the table either. Is that okay? I thought that stimulation, arousal, and copulation were exclusive functions of the spouse. To quote, a change in the sexual behavior of the society or group is indicative of a change in the norm, guidelines, ethical, moral attitudes that govern the sexual behavior of that society or group. Excuse me. It seems, it seems it would behoove those who are in or desire to be in a committed and monogamous relationship to refrain from interacting with people, places, and things that promote, perpetuate, and encourage group or individual sexual stimulation, arousal, and or copulation or entertainment. So, why do we call it entertainment? Or is that just a variation of a thing? Play with words. Because for uh, someone to be sexually stimulated, are we saying that that's a form of entertainment? And that in in the form of entertainment is okay? Come on. on. I need help with that myself. Because uh, sexual stimulation is sexual stimulation, and, and we all have the same physical reaction to being Caller, you have a caller. Caller, welcome to the back of the start. Hello, this is Q. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Yeah, good evening. Carlo and Kenny. Um, yeah, What's as far as like, um, How you doing? All right. Yeah, your mic is in. Uh, as far as uh, someone being engaged and everything like that, I disagree with them participating in that type of activity. Or, matter of fact, married or, um, you know, seeing somebody all together. That's that's like single man type stuff, you ask me, or single person type stuff. I wouldn't want my girlfriend doing that either. Right, so that's like non-committed stuff. Yeah. Because it's not a committed behavior because you're interacting sexually with somebody else, you think? Exactly. Right. I mean, no matter how you look at it, whether you have sex or not, you still are, are involved in the sexual process. Yeah, some of the stuff is, is the kind of thing that um, people hope they're able to do at the end of a date or something like that. So, yeah, that's, that's not right. Okay, so it's not right for uh, people who are in serious relationships, does your thing, right? Right. Right. Okay. So that's a violation of the of the uh, uh, relationship contract if they have that kind of uh, relationship. For me, yeah. <laughs> okay, so is it entertainment or is it sex? Why can't it be both? 
I think it's both. Special entertainment. I, I think it's I think it sucks because the, you know what what you're doing physically and the fact that you're that you have to pay for it. I think that's I think that's in it. You're paying for the entertainment for the set so for the show. physical contact. Okay. Okay. Sexual entertainment. Because like, yeah. like in movies, entertainment too, right? So you pay for that as entertainment, right? You get a uh, whatever type of uh, right excitement you get from that, right? So it's entertainment. Also, there's some type of um, you know, more limited part of um sexual entertainment in that as well. You know, it's not physical. It's it's kind of like what you see or hear on the screen or, you know what I mean? But it's not the physical part as, you know, right. going to the um, going to the set. Okay, so maybe it's entertainment because it's just, this individual is not uh, uh, in an intimate relationship. So, therefore, it's entertainment. I don't know. How about that one? What do you think about that? Yeah. Okay. I can see that. Yeah. Anyway, that's not our point we're trying to make for the night. We're just trying to uh, discuss uh, do you think that it's appropriate to uh, for your uh, person of interest to be involved in, in that type of uh, environment uh, right before they're going to get married as a, you know, practice, a uh, custom to engage uh, in this type of behavior right before they marry you, whether it's a night before, I don't know when they have bachelor parties, the week before, the month before, I don't know. I mean, if you're in a committed relationship with a person, it's like, uh, even in, like I talked about last week, uh, when you're courting someone, there's none of that touching. So if there's no touching while you're courting somebody, why would you be in a situation where you have a a, a woman who has next to nothing on or nothing on that's um, entertaining you sexually? It doesn't make sense to me. You might as well just do that with the person you're going to marry. Yeah, I hear that. Yeah, I mean, if you want to do it, that's that's a lot. What is that? Yeah, that's the way it works for me, but I don't think what I feel is necessarily what anybody else feels. If someone, if that works for them, then I I guess that's the way they're going to do it. I wouldn't hold it against them. Right. yeah. Not and not you wouldn't hold it against them, but would you hold it against your paramour? Absolutely. Right, that's what we talking about. That's what we had tonight. I'm not holding anything against anybody. I'm just saying in terms of a premarital custom, should you be engaged sexually with anybody else right. at any level of the uh, sexual experience? Should you be engaged in it? And that's the question for the night. Right. Yeah, like I said, no, that doesn't work for me. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah, any other thing you want to add to the conversation? Well, I just think that um, with the thing, the thing now is about freedom and stuff like that, and everybody just gets the um, opportunity to do whatever they want as long as it's not 
against the will of someone else, you know, making someone do something against their will, you know what I mean? If you have, like, um, two consenting people or more, you know what I mean, then that's kind of like what society is about now. You exercise your freedom. And I guess that's just another way of people exercising their freedoms and they're leaving those traditional things, you know, alone. A lot of people are, or some people are, rather. And so if, if no one gets hurt, in this case, the bride or the groom is not emotionally injured by the fact that their uh, person of interest uh, frequents or has frequent or once has engaged with a uh, dancer, pole dancer, whatever, lap dance, whatever, as long as no one is injured by that, nothing wrong with it, right? Yeah, pretty much. Right. So I don't mind if my girl goes to strip bar before she gets married to me. I ain't got no problem with it. I think that's the way some people do it. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that's the way that some people do it. How's that impact on the relationship? What's that saying about the, the, the individual relationship? Is it exclusive or not? Well, according to them, they're supposed to be exclusive after they do matrimony. But I don't know how, I don't really know if it really affects the relationships or not. But um, it seems like a lot of people, it seems like a, Marriage is kind of like 50-50 nowadays. Half people stay together or half of them don't. And then some people, they stay together for a while and then they get divorced later on after the kids leave or something like that. I mean, so I don't know if that's, that's an effect or, excuse me, or um, a change because of what they don't go into a nightclub or anything like that. I'm sure it's a lot of other things as well. But, um, yeah, it's a 50 50. As far as, like, parents and stuff staying together, it seems like a lot of divorce. <clears throat> hmm. I wonder, any um, females out there listening? Can we get a, a female um, view of how they feel about their man uh, going out to the strip club right before uh, they take that vow to be with you exclusively for life? I don't know, maybe now maybe nowadays marriage is not as exclusive as you think it is. Maybe marriage is a, a legal, a formal situation. It's not you know, what it used to be. Maybe that's changed. <coughs> Excuse me. Because it's courtship has changed. Courtship has changed to dating. Which you could uh, you may end up with a friend, one night stand, girlfriend for three months, or a wife. <laughs> so maybe uh, marriage thing, also thing, or attitudes about the sanctity of marriage. Maybe some people have no problem with their spouses being entertained in an environment that promotes sexual stimulation and arousal, where intercourse does not take place. After all, they're only going to come home to you to achieve sexual gratification. That's like allowing someone else to have foreplay with your spouse. 
Do those who are stimulated and aroused always seek their spouse for sexual gratification? Is that spouse thinking about you or are you the substitution for who they want, for who they would rather be with? So after going to the club, I'm going to use some examples because she's famous. Uh, uh, what's the girl named Kim Kardashian, Beyonce. All right, yeah, that girl was like that in the club. She's turning you on. She's, you know, doing whatever they do, feeling aroused, right? You ready to go, right? Now you got to go back home to your chick. So after being aroused by this this chick, right? Right? Are you you thinking about your chick when you go home, or are you thinking about her? That's what I'm I'm trying to figure out. All that impacting on the relationship. You know what I'm saying? Like I, like this girl just oh, aroused. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, whoa, she's on mm-hmm. oh, I'm already there. She's bad. She looks good. I wish I could have her, right? I can't have mm-hmm. her. So I'm going to take what I can get in the strip where I'm going to do whatever I can do with her right here. You know? So, now I'm leaving there. I'm hot. I'm sweating. My pants are stretched out. You know what I'm saying? So, when I get back to my shit, am I thinking about my chick or am I thinking about her? Mm-hmm. And vice versa for a female. No, is she thinking about her man or is she thinking about that man that she that just turned on? Right. And, and and for how long is that in the back of their mind or the front of their mind? I don't know. Might not even be that deep. So are you just, that, that makes you the substitution. This can't go all the way with her. You can go all the way with mm-hmm. your girl. Mm-hmm. So are you the substitution for the stripper? Or the exotic dancer, entertainer? Does the, does the spouse become the substitution for that person? I mean, I can, I can imagine that happening in some cases, you know? Because for the most part, uh, a lot of the uh, strippers, I mean, exotic dancer, entertainers, they look pretty good. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that we don't have good-looking girlfriends either. I'm just saying that. Because they are, some of them are somebody's girlfriend too. But how does that play with the relationship and, you know, the commitment? You know what I'm saying? Like, how does that play? So who are you in bed with when you're in, with, when you're in bed with somebody who is just left being stimulated by another person? That's my question. Um, are spouses expected to change their behavior just after the bachelor or bachelorette party? Is she supposed to or he's supposed to like, oh, yeah, I'm dead no more. Just because you get married. That's going to change my desire to do that. It's going to just go away. I had this desire to do it up until right before we went. After I said, after we agreed to be married, I still desire to do it. So how was me standing up in front of 50 to 100 people, right? Signing right. a document will change my attitude, my feelings about that. So, I mean, are, are, do, do, we, do we expect them to change simply because they have, you know, that date? Or do we just expect them to suppress it? Which is a, 
there are a lot, a lot of married men in these places. <clears throat> a lot of married people, people who are married, people are in relationships that go to strip bars. I assure you, it's not built with just single men and vice versa, right. single women. So, right. is, are we saying that that a statement that one's not enough? You know, your spouse is not enough for you. You're not satisfied with your spouse. Greedy, you, you need more than that. You want more. You don't need more. You want more. You, you're never going to stop wanting other people. What is it, What are we saying about us that we are so fixated on, you know, participating in this activity? I know in terms of a man, big man, you know, men are attracted to women. So we're attracted to any beautiful woman. But it's gonna she's taking her clothes off and showing him her body parts that that's gonna get his attention. Married or not. You a man married guy walks into a uh gentleman's club and there are about twenty women in there butt naked, there's no way in hell he's not gonna see that. Right? In fact that he's even there says he wants to see it. Uh, unless he's a plumber and he come in there to fix a pipe or something. You know, you have some plumbing problems or something like that. But there's no way he's going to not see that. And the chance of being tempted by that is, is greater because he's there in the environment. So, and Carl, do you have another caller? Uh, we got another call. Uh, you can hold on if you want. Uh, next caller, please. Hello, uh, can you hear me? Yeah. I guess I was now wondering. Are people kind of activity because one is just a place of curiosity or two, it is um, maybe a traditional activity for some people to participate in prior to them, you know, making, I mean, becoming married and making their final uh, public acknowledgement of commitment or have they been exposed to these kind of things and um, it has now created um, this type of sexual appetite that they aren't sure or either that they know that the person they're getting ready to marry uh will not be willing to participate in or have maybe already made them aware that that's not something that they want to bring into their marriage. So I'm just trying to figure out where does it come from? Does it come from previous exposure? Does it come from just a mere curiosity? Um, Or does it, you know, come from, I guess, you know, just, just, an unfulfilled desire that there may may not meet, but you know something they still want to experience in their life. Well, I think it's a little bit all that, or some of that, and some of one, and not to the other. It could be anything. Because <laughs> I just wonder for for the virgin male and the virgin female. Um, what is 
is that something that even, you know, somebody who, I guess, may not have had such exposure uh, look forward to participating in, or is that something that they bypass and not let that be, you know, part of something they practice before they go to the altar? Well, it could be. I think I'm saying it could be either. It could be, you know, like I could be a guy that never been to a strip bar before. My friends might throw a party for me with a stripper. Mm-hmm. So, bam, now here I am, and it's about five girls in there shaking their butt, twerking, and one is particularly giving me a lot of rhythm. And she looked good. And she might look better than my girl in terms of physical body. You know what I'm saying? So, like, what are they stimulating the lust of the eye? <laughs> Definitely, this is definitely a physical thing. I mean, you ain't looking for a wife. You look for a, a, a body, something that looks nice that you can have some fun with. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's not unusual here. I mean, people do uh, look for people to engage in sexual activity normally. But this is a place where that's exactly what you're going to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, before, any other way, you meet somebody, you don't know if you're going to get that far with them. But here... Well, I guess you have to uh, you have to ponder the mindset of the person because if you're walking into an atmosphere, I mean, just like kind of going to the bar. Now you know when you go to the bar, you know it's an acceptable norm that people will drink. That's what you go there to do. So if I go to a strip club as a bachelor before I get married, I'm going there understanding that it's very likely that I will, you know, have opportunities. To bump, grind, feel, touch, kiss, and you know, do some other things. If you know, it's the setting that would allow those kind of things to happen, right? Right. 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 So for for the woman on the other end, I think no. Why are you going? <laughs> we know what you're going to, and what people who go to that go there for. Why are you going there? And I think on the reverse, I, I guess as a man, I would, you know, wonder about my wife and my wife-to-be. That um, she would go to something like that or be part of something like that. Yeah, well, you know, you know, I'm thinking back to the biblical times. I think Solomon had 300 concubines or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, so, I mean, it's, you know, I just read some things about the seven, the dance of the seven bells. So this uh, hypersexuality is not just, uh, it's not, not anything new. It's not new. It's something that's been going on. Then, you know, like, you know. Yeah, but where, where's, where's, where's man's self-control? You know what I'm saying? Where, where is the mindset that you don't take yourself into the valley of temptation when you already know that it is very likely, you know what I'm saying, that knowing yourself, you know, or not even, if you if you don't even know yourself, but some surroundings, it is very likely that you will participate in the happenings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like going to uh, a disco, you know what I'm saying, and you know you like to dance, and to really think that you may leave that place not dancing at all, that's not very likely. <laughs> you know, even right. if you just stand up and dance around the table by yourself, you right. know, you will participate in 
and the going on of the event because that's who you are. Right. So, you know, if you have a, a very um, temptatious spirit where, you know, you go to these kind of things and you're not the type to kind of extend yourself from being up close and personal in the um, environment, then why, why do you go? You know what I'm saying? Why do you go when you know that it could put you in a place of compromise or the long-term relationship you're getting ready to have with someone? Well, what if, uh, in your mind, you, you know, I, you know, a guy might say, my last time, the last fling. That's what the show's called, the last fling. So it's my last mm-hmm. time, fill a stripper up, maybe even knock her off, you know. Yeah, but the last time might perpetuate the passion or the desire to want to relive that experience. The last time might become your new first time. It might. Hey, I'm, I'm just theorizing on why people might do it. I would, I, personally, I wouldn't do it. If I'm, if, if I'm in a committed relationship, that's not going to happen anyway, but it's definitely not going to happen if, if I'm about to get married. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, don't, I think that's a violation of of, of our uh, contract uh, of who we are in, in the relationship personally. You know, and I wouldn't mm-hmm. want my personal interest to, uh, to be uh, visiting strip bars, <laughs> being stimulated by guys and, you know, you know, guys. Call, we have another call. Okay, okay we have another call. Welcome to Provocative Thoughts. Hang in there, Angie. I just don't know where. Oh, yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Hello, this is Carol. Carol, what's up? Um, I'm, I'm not really sure, but I know right now we, li- we live in a hedonistic society in which people do things that they think um, make them feel good. I don't know how many guys actually participate in Last Fling uh, before the wedding. But I feel like this, that that person will have a choice. You gave an example in which, you know, your guy's still your party. You don't know that the stripper's going to be there, but she comes. I think that um, a real man would stand up and say, you know, they don't want that. Right in the midst of that going, you know, say no. Send the sisters home, you know. That's what a real man would do. Why? Because he knows. Before he takes the vow, his heart should already be single-minded. He should already have those vows um, within himself, forsaking all of it. You right. know, so that includes all of that. It doesn't right. just start on the day that you get married. You know what right. I mean? Then if you have a brother who's into that stuff prior to that, maybe the sister should think about what she's getting into. Like you say, is that just going to turn off because the brothers get married? More than likely not, you know. And I'm not an expert on that, but just watching things on TV with people in relationships, some brothers get involved with some sisters who do this this business, you know, and then down the road they want the sister to stop. And the sister's coming from the same point. You knew this is what I was about when you met me. This is how you met me. So I just think, you know, last flings are out, you know. And I think your friends, if they really your friends, they would know you're not even about that from the from the jump, you know, that they would not even arrange that for you, you know. I I, I believe that you you have real friends. They know you know what you're really in the Suzy Q, and 
this is not what you would be about. You don't need a last flame, you know, or whatever that is. That's you know. Communication with your friend. Just, huh? That's a good point. Communication with your friend. Know who you are throwing a party for. Right. Your friends would know you, and they would know this is not for you, you know. And I don't think that they would even throw your party of that caliber. Right. You know, they, they would think of something else for the single-minded man, you know. But if you are a fly brother, you know, even though you supposedly are committing to this person and, and, and form and fashion, they know your heart's all over the place, you know. If you're still a player, then they probably would still throw you one of those little things. But, um, no. You know, men are, and you have to understand the, the the design of men. We know that men are are lured by their eye gate. Women are more lured by their heart gate. You mm-hmm. see what I'm saying? It doesn't take much to to attract a man. You know, so no. If if you're serious about the sister, you're gonna step up to the plate. And you know, cut out the foolishness, you know. And then in some other, you know, books or whatever, the guy lets you know that when he met her, whoever this girl was that he chose, he was he was a player. But then he met her, all that stuff went out the window. The book got lost. You see what I'm saying? He tossed the book, you know, and all the other stuff. So if that brother still is about that, I think that girl should cut that off, you know. But I think if that happens, he's unaware, he would take a stand and say, mm-mm, he would, he would cut it off, right. you know, send the girl. That's what I think. A real man would just send that home. He don't He don't need that. He got what he needs. You know what I mean? He got what he needs. He made a choice, you know. Okay, okay that's it. You. So what is this, what's the difference between a guy going up a woman's house Riding on him and so forth, and him going to a strip club. But if you already him going to a strip club, it should be all right with him going to visit uh, another woman in her home and her doing about the same thing. There's no difference. So the point of it is you're disloyal to whoever you're supposed to be loyal to, whether you're in a strip club at somebody else's house. You understand what I'm saying? Right. You know, your, 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 your mode of operandi um, really doesn't matter. It's just the fact that it doesn't involve her, that it involves somebody else. You're being disloyal, you know, and you probably really should think about this so-called commitment that you're unable to make, you know. Stop putting on a facade with the sister. Let her know the real deal, you know, my heart's not settled. And then with some women, I think they already know that. They know where the brother is. You understand what I'm saying? But some women just settle for for the nonsense, you know. They settle for the nonsense. You know, you're out hanging with the boys. You know, you come in late. You know, if you're a sister and you got a brother, you know, and his steps are questionable, then you need you need to decide what it is you want. You know, you need to weigh the pros. You need to weigh the pros and cons about this individual. These are things I like and I can live with. These are things I don't like and I can live with. And if the things that you don't like you can't live with outweigh the things you like, then you need to make a decision. It's not up to him. It's up to you. You understand what I'm saying? This is take two. Take two, Tango. You can tell him to take a hike. You know? 